Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I just wish Iowa had tried to go two for one at the end of the first half. I'm just so disappointed in the, the complacency on offense from this team. I'm kidding, of course. What a what a win. What, what a game. Um, this is a game we expected Iowa to win. It's a game Iowa needed to win, in my opinion, to ensure not being on the seven line. Now, they may end up on the seven line. We can talk about that. But what a performance. Iowa, 112 to 70. Is that, is that right? 112 to 76? That's not the final score, is it? Oh, it is. I thought my eyes were deceiving me. 112 to 76. Iowa breaks the Big Ten single game scoring record. All right. And that's certainly not the only record they have uh, broke. And we're going to be joined here momentarily by uh, Coach Gary Close to, t- to talk it all out. I mean, this is just, um, I didn't expect this, didn't didn't see this coming. But regardless, what a win, what a performance. Now, the good news is they were able to get their starters. For, I think Fran was very, very, I think Fran played the second half perfectly. I was I was wondering how long Fran would wait to take Keegan Murray out of the out of the game, and and he waited I believe a possession or two after the under sixteen in the second half. So after the under sixteen timeout in that second half, um, I think Keegan hit a three, and it might have been the next time down he went out the next dead ball, and so uh, that's just smart coaching by Fran McCaffrey. Um, you know, at times I've thought Fran has waited a bit too long to, to make that move. He he uh, he did it plenty early today and, and very smart because you got a game tomorrow. You don't want to risk injury. Of course, Patrick McCaffrey, we were told through the BTN crew that he had been dealing with some fatigue due to an illness slash hip injury. So it's good to get him out of there. I mean, this game could not have went any better, folks. There could there was not a way for this game to go any better. Now, Fran might say that last three by Luke Lakita uh, probably. Um, shouldn't have happened um i'm surprised luke took that because fran is pretty pretty uh set in stone about how he feels about uh those late i don't want to call them antics but those late threes those late shots um kind of happy for luke um and i doubt fran's going to be too hard on him but uh, again just an unbelievable unbelievable game and we will be joined by coach gary close here momentarily we'll open up the call line for you to call in, give your thoughts and comments, p- possibly previewing uh, a, a huge game tomorrow. Boy, you win tomorrow, the first time Iowa would win two games in the Big Ten tournament since 06. Think about that. I mean, think about that. Uh, that's incredible. And they've got a chance to get it done. Good to see you here, Skyler. Brandon uh, is here as well. The Real Hayden says it almost feels like we should save some of those threes for tomorrow. I know people were saying that during the game today. Um, Ari Gold says, go Hawks. Remember, Iowa did... Iowa did shoot the three ball well, basically the last month of the season. And I have to go back and look at the numbers, but I mean, they've, they've been shooting the three ball well. So I guess my, my thinking on this is just because they made 19 today does not mean they're going to be that they ran the tank dry. I, I, I would see no reason that they're not going to shoot well tomorrow. Other than the fact that Rutgers is an exceptional defensive team. We know Iowa's I think what, 45, 46 points in Piscataway. Think about that. Iowa just scored. Iowa just scored 112 points on a neutral court against a Big Ten team. And when they their, their next opponent, Rutgers, the last time they played Rutgers, just, what, a month and a half ago, Iowa failed to break 50 in that game. So let that sink in for a second. Um, but, boy, you, you have to like how Iowa's playing right now. And, yes, um, 
being able to to get those starters on the bench soon that's that's what you uh, that's what you hope for username invalid is here as well thank you sir or ma'am whatever the case may be joe says great defense most improved worried for a second uh worried for a second northwestern strategy was able to get us into foul trouble which is one way to weaken the hawks and joe i brought that up early you had three early fouls on Joe Toussaint and Aaron Euless combined, which concerned me a bit. But Iowa never really seemed in jeopardy of, of even early, of allowing Northwestern back into the game. I mean, there was a, a time where Iowa was trading buckets with Northwestern, and that, and that made me a bit nervous. Um, and, you know, you don't want complacency on that end. But you did hear Rick Pizzo, and I'm going to bring this up to Coach Close. You did hear Rick Pizzo bring up the fact that I believe it was the under... I don't know that it was so late as the the under eight timeout in the first half, but during one of the media timeouts, Fran McCaffrey reportedly ripped into his team for their defense and for complacency and for their slow uh, rotations. And boy, they came out, looked like a totally different defensive team because the defense wasn't good early. I mean, Northwestern was shooting 67% through at least half of the first half. Those aren't good numbers. But Iowa completely flipped the script, and they were—I mean, Iowa was, Northwestern was shooting sixty-seven percent, and I think Iowa was up by like eighteen to twenty. So when you're when you're playing offensively the way Iowa played tonight, you're not losing anybody. The difference is you're going to go up against an opponent specifically tomorrow that is a much better defensive team than Northwestern. Let's add Coach Gary close to the mix. Gary, wow! How, how about that? How, <laughs> How about how about that? Let's just kind of re re uh, hash what I just got done uh, bathing in, and that is the unbelievable performance of Iowa offensively, 112 points, breaking the Big Ten tournament single game scoring record, blowing that record out of the water, Gary. Um, which I think it was 96, I believe, was the record 97. Yeah, so um, first of all, Northwestern is a much healthier team than they were when they visited Iowa City. We know they were dealing with the flu when they got blown out a, a couple weeks ago. So it begs the question, how does Northwestern match up this badly against Iowa, first of all? That's a real good question, Corey. I, I think um, Iowa got them down early, uh, deep. And I, I think they just uh, saw the end of the year coming pretty fast and just, did, uh, just didn't have a uh, response to it at all. And um, they were just too good. And they're then – making every shot possible. And uh, I think they just, uh, I think they just decided this is time to end this year and move on. They just, they didn't look like they wanted to be around after about 10 minutes. And, and that surprised me, Gary, because there, that was a spirited comeback against Nebraska yesterday. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What were your I thoughts on, on the Wildcats yeah. performance yesterday? Yeah, they did a nice job. You know, they, um, they could have, uh, you know, Nebraska led most of that game and coming off of two big wins. So that was a nice win for Northwestern. Um, but it's a, it's a notch or two up from Nebraska to, to Iowa, especially the way they're playing. And they just didn't have an answer, especially on the defensive end. They just couldn't stop them. Absolutely right. Um, the it gets discouraging. Really you know, you, you, uh, you know, just you see a team score literally every time down the court. And a lot of them are from three. It's just it, it's discouraging, and and uh, every time they made even kind of a slight run at them, it was quickly smashed down and widened again. So, um, real impressive performance. Do I have this stat correct, uh, Mark? Or Mark, what did I just call you, Mark? Gary, 
that they broke the single game Big Ten record. And we're not just talking about the tournament. This is the single game Big Ten record for a conference game, correct? I I don't know, but I can certainly believe it. I can't believe anybody had more than 19. That's that's an ungodly number. Um that's that's 57 points on 29 29 possessions. That's almost two points per possession. You can't it's about perfect. So um really moved the ball well and it got contagious. It was it was fun to watch. Half of Iowa's points came from uh or about half of Iowa's points came from the three-point arc. Um, Ari Gold is here, says Final Four, here we come. <laughs> First, let's jump to those conclusions. Um, I have no problem with the, the happiness, though. Lemansky says downtown Freddie Brown and John Johnson, Old Hawks and Seattle Sonics would be so proud. Um, Thomas says that was a decent showing. 14 players all scored. Was uh, was Fran McCaffrey upset with that last three from Luke uh, Lakita? I believe so. <laughs> I, I want to get your thoughts on that, Gary, because, you know, I know how Fran operates in those situations, and I think it's because he he really values sp- sportsmanship, and I understand that. But do you almost let Luke have his moment there? How did you, how do you view the situation? Well, um, you know, I'd kind of like to see him play the possession out right from the beginning, but it, but it was obvious they weren't, and that's what he wanted, and, hey, he's the coach, and I understand it. You're up big, and what's one more possession? Um and so when he did it, I could see why he was upset because that's not what he wanted. Um, and you bank it in. I mean, they're, they're embarrassed. Northwestern's embarrassed. They're it's on TV, national TV, and it's he just doesn't want to show them up even more. He probably, you know, he probably, you know, appreciates Chris Collins and you know what he's trying to do. And it just there, there was nothing to gain from that. So I, I can see why he was upset. Chris Collins seems like, a, and it's always easy to say this. I get it when when you're beating a, a, a person, but Chris Collins seems like a really upstanding guy. Am I? Am I mean you? I think do you know Chris personally, Gary? I know there's a connection with with Kenyon. Yeah, yeah. We actually recruited Chris to Iowa um, and came very very close to getting him. Uh, he um, made an official visit. Chris Street was his host. He left thinking he might be a Hawkeye and goes to class on Monday and. Mike Krzyzewski sitting in his home room seat and uh, so the tide quickly turned and, uh, but he always had a real high opinion of Iowa and I, I wouldn't, I, I probably, I don't know where Fran was at the time. Maybe he was even at Notre Dame at the time. Maybe they even recruited him a little bit. I, I don't know. It's, it's a while back, but uh, we recruited him hard. I thought we had a chance. So um, he's a terrific kid and uh, that's a tough job and uh, hopefully he can get it turned around. Yeah, and for some reason I was thinking it was Kenyon. You told me Chris Street and his recruiting pitch to yeah. uh, Chris Collins. Um, this game tomorrow, Rutgers, and we can talk about that in, here in a little bit, uh, Gary. But is this almost a total one eighty as far as playing style? I mean, Northwestern doesn't play; they don't want to play real fast, right? I mean, Rutgers doesn't want to play real fast, but defensively, you couldn't have two polar opposite teams. It appears on paper, right? I mean, Iowa scored I think forty six against Rutgers the first time out. Yeah. How do you how do you not get ahead of yourselves and get a big hit after a win like this with a quick turnaround tomorrow? Well, you got to. I mean, that's that's the nature of, of tournaments, especially Big Ten, where there is there is no not even a one day break. Um, so, um, you know, they played Rutgers. They know it's a it's a it's a it's a much better team. It's a much more physical team. Uh, I think the big thing is it's like you said, it's going to be harder to score. Whereas today it was just there was no resistance at all wide open shots and everywhere on the court. And that's not going to be the case 
uh, probably tomorrow. So um, well, I think what's good is they didn't have to spend a whole lot of energy in terms of a lot of minutes played. Uh, it was probably like a light practice the day before game. And so that helps, uh, especially if they continue to keep winning and the games pile up. So I don't think it could have been, I don't think it could have gone any better. Uh, and they know, uh, you know, Rutgers had them. Rutgers is the, is the four seed and has beaten them. And so um, it's uh, it's going to be a heck of a game to watch. Yeah, let's remember, you, you alluded to it, Gary, why Iowa did not get the double bye. And you can pinpoint it to that one game, a loss at, at yeah. the Scataway. Yeah. So exactly. absolutely should not have Iowa's, more than Iowa's full attention. Let's take our first call here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hey, Corey, how you doing? It's the real MVP. I'm good. What do you think about that performance, the real MVP? I, it was the best performance I've seen today in all of basketball. Well, you could argue it was the best performance in the history of the Big Ten tournament. So, uh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, there was never a point Northwestern, it felt like, had a chance in this game. The main thing I'm worried about if you're an Iowa fan is like an overconfidence, maybe an arrogance going into this next game. Any worries about that? Not for me, Gary. I don't think so. No, they, you know, Rutgers has already beaten them once. Uh, I think they played with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder today uh, that um, I think Kenny probably was disappointed. Or Keegan, he was disappointed to get Big Ten Player of the Year and uh, they had a tough, tough loss at Illinois that um, you know would have given them the four seed. So um, I don't think so. I, I think they, I think they have a, a a good respect for Rutgers, and they better um, because uh, Rutgers is has had a great stretch uh, here, finishing the year up, and and they're rested and ready to go. So um, I don't think so. I think they'll, I think they'll be ready. I, I think they're on a mission. I think they got. I think they have a feeling that they could win this thing. And um, as, as, as anybody can. So um, I, I don't think so. I think they'll be ready to go. Coach, have you ever had a game where it just felt like everything was going in? You know what? Uh, very few. Not, certainly nothing like that. That was, um, that was unbelievable. Um, we had a few games like that. But you tend to remember the losses a little longer than you do the wins, uh, especially games like that. But um, – uh, it was, um, you know, to, to have played uh, Sunday, so they hadn't played in three, you know, four days. To play, be that sharp was really impressive. And how was – what did you think about how uh, the coach did with the starters versus the substitute for having the starters play like the first four minutes of the second half and then not touching the court again? Yeah, I think that was, a, that was probably the smart way to go. They had gotten a – you know, they got their 20, 25 minutes. And um, I think the other thing you want to do is you want to get your players out before things get sloppy. You know, they had played so well. Uh, let's leave it at that. And sometimes in games like that, things can get kind of out of hand and you lose your discipline. And and uh, so you like to get them out before that happens. Not that it would, but there's a chance. And the game was over. Uh, so good time to let the other guys play and, and end on a good note knowing that you, uh, you, you played real well. Okay, Corey, this question is for you. I, you're usually the cynical one on here, so uh, <laughs> you got anything cynical you want to say? I'm so glad that I've got oh. a conversation now. Uh, well, let's see. The only thing cynical that I could point out was I didn't think Iowa's defense was good for the first 10 minutes, Gary. 
But I give Fran a lot of credit. You heard Rick uh, Pizzo report, uh, was it the under eight timeout that Fran really let his kids have it? And I'm not saying he was really ripping into him, but but from the sounds of it, he was not happy with the rotations. And you could tell a considerable difference. They were crisp defensively after that. Am I right, Gary? Yeah, I, I would think so. I think, you know, and sometimes when uh, points come easy, you kind of lose your concentration on the defensive end. And I, I think they did. There was a stretch there for about 10 minutes in the middle of the half where they're kind of trading baskets and it didn't really matter because most cases it was Iowa trade to three for two. And so the game, the lead was still widening up, even though they weren't playing particularly sharp. And then, like you said, about the last eight minutes or so, they played pretty well and, and then widened the lead even further. So, um, but all in all, really, really, really good performance. I think it's hard to find much to complain about. Agreed. Corey, you, uh, I know Coach Coase has said Iowa's going to win the Big Ten tournament. Uh, do you have any predictions? Did you not watch my Did you not watch my podcast yesterday, Daryl MVP? Uh, is it on Spotify? Of course. What are you doing? Okay. You're usually, you're usually the first to everything. What? What's going on? <laughs> I don't have Spotify, okay? No, it's on. What do you mean Download. it's on Spotify? It's on. It's on YouTube. It's right here. It's it's. Oh, it's we, on YouTube. Really? Yeah, I posted. I didn't it last get a notification. Night. Okay, well, you better check your phone. Better call your provider. No, it's on there. I will. I'm not. I'm not going to give away my prediction uh, right now. But you go back there. I, I fill out my entire Big Ten tournament bracket on there. Okay. Well, you know, sometimes YouTube does that thing where they don't give out notifications. I know. So maybe that happens. I didn't get a heads up. We had, we had a little show where you did the bracket. I just did. Yeah, I just predicted that. I was less cynical than you'd expect, Gary. Oh, wow. I'll, I'll make my prediction. There. A team that starts with the letter I will win the tournament. I do not have Iowa winning the tournament. I said neither. I said a team with the letter I. I wanted Illinois in there. I do not I have to, a team with. The, I do not have a team with the letter I winning the tournament. That's all I'm going to say. But I'll say this: I have Iowa going. Very far in the tournament. I think I was primed for a run, but I'd love to see him win it. And if they can get to the finals, as I said on the show last night, I think uh, all bets are off as far as, I mean, they're they're coming off a win against Rutgers and a win against Illinois. Is anybody going to doubt them against Purdue? I don't think they match up very well with Purdue if it's Purdue. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I certainly think that right now Iowa's playing better than anybody in the Big Ten. I know Vegas Sportsbooks, they, you know, they were all high on Iowa, I think, uh, Purdue and Iowa, last I saw, were the two favorites to win the the tournament, which I found interesting because Illinois is actually playing better than than Purdue, in my opinion, right now. But uh, right. no, I agree with you. I, I think that uh, Iowa has an opportunity. Tomorrow is going to be a big challenge. I'm, I'm nervous about tomorrow. I'm, there's no reason to take the to take Rutgers lightly, and they're by some pundits, they're still on the bubble, Gary. That's the other thing that we have to realize is. There may be a, a little bit of sense of desperation from. I think they're in right now, even if they lose. But boy, it would help them if they could win tomorrow to seal the deal on that. No doubt, but I think they're in. I'd, I'd be shocked if they didn't get in. They're, they're they finished fourth in the league. There's there's no yeah. I bet there's nobody in the history of the Big Ten that finished fourth that didn't get in the NCAA tournament ever. Right. I think the only team that needs to sweat right now is Michigan. I think they're out. Oh. I, I think, and I could be wrong, just going from my conversation with, with Tim Kruger of Stadium the other day, I think they're all in right now. I think Indiana I think Indiana and Michigan are very very similar place right now. Now, you may be right. Maybe Michigan does miss out, Gary. Um, 
but I don't know how much that loss to Indiana hurts them. Um, Indiana before, according to, I think to Corsi, he had Indiana last four in. I know Tim Kruger did not have them in his bracket. I, I would guess they're going to be, they're both going to be sweating unless Indiana can win tomorrow. I think if Indiana wins tomorrow, Gary, they're yeah. in. Yeah, probably. I think and it'll depend upon how the rest of the league tournaments go. If there's some upsets, they're, they're really going to be sweating. Right. The only thing I'll say about the Michigan-Indiana game is the frustration Michigan fans and Michigan staff must feel is that had the dominant lead to blow it to Indiana of all teams. A team that hasn't been able to win a game to save their life somehow pulled a comeback like that out is well, it's unexplainable. You got to give a lot of credit to Mike Woodson. I think uh... – I mean, he, he certainly, yeah, you, you'd think that their spirits would be in the dumps at halftime and they, they came roaring back. It was a, it was a fun performance. I'm happy for Indiana. I don't like Michigan. I'm happy for Indiana and I'm happy for Mike Woodson and, and that, and Trace Jackson Davis and all those guys that have really persevered Rob Fennessy that he's been there forever. And they've just had a hard time finding success. So hopefully they can get to the tournament as an Iowa fan. You absolutely should be rooting for Michigan, Indiana, Rutgers to all get in the tournament. It helps the, helps the big 10. If you get nine in, it'd be great. Definitely. Well, that's all I got for you tonight, Corey. All right, sir. Appreciate the call. call. Thanks for calling. And uh, those are all good points. Um, Can Indiana beat Illinois tomorrow, Gary? What do you think? I don't think they will, but they could. Yeah. I I always thought the team that has played one game has a little bit of an advantage uh, going into the next one. So I I think they've got a shot. Um, Illinois at times is – I don't know how important it's going to be for Illinois to win this tournament. Um, uh, they won the league. They're they're in. They're going to get a high seed. Um, so it could happen, but I don't think it will. Lomansky says, Gary, who are the two or three greatest scorers that you ever coached? Wow, that's a good question. Um, two or three greatest scorers. Well, Roy Marble was a terrific scorer. He's the all-time leading scorer. Um, in the history of Iowa basketball. And I also coached the all-time leading scorer in Wisconsin basketball, Orlando Tucker, who was a warrior. Um, so those two probably would be right up there. And um, if I had to make a, a third one, I probably would. That's a good question. Um, probably nobody really jumps out. Frank Kaminsky had an unbelievable final two years with us. He was player of the year, uh, kind of like what Luca did last year. Um, and he's, Translated that into a pretty strong NBA season. Sam Decker got hot during then. The other one I might mention would be Devin Harris. He played um, – I only got to coach him one year, first year, and he was a terrific player, and he could really score. Um, so probably, what did I say, five? <laughs> so there you go. But Roy and uh, Orlando, two two guys that led both schools, their all-time leading scorers, were I had the uh, privilege to coach, so that was fun. This isn't going along the lines of, of best scorers that you've coached, but who's the the lefty point guard for Wisconsin that uh, probably in your last couple of years there that you coached that played with Frank and Oh Trayvon Jackson, Jackson, yeah. Jackson Jimmy Jackson's son, yeah, mm-hmm. Jimmy Jackson's son. I forget that. So uh, what was he like? Is he was always a? I mean that those you know you guys were always a thorn in Iowa's side. But what was it like to coach him? He was a real good player. Yeah. He lived in the shadow of his dad, which was not easy. His dad was a really good player. Um, we actually lost him. Um, we were ranked number one in the country and lost at Rutgers uh, when Frank had a concussion in the game before and didn't play. And Trayvon got hurt 
at half, right before half, and he did not play the rest of the year um, and came back for the NCAA tournament, which, which hurt us uh, in, some, in some respects. Uh, but he did get back in time for the tournament in the Final Four run. Um, real good team player, great defender, made big shots, real good player. So Josh Malice is going to give us an opinion. He says, Fran screaming at Lakita, a kid who plays about as much as I do, for taking his chance at a prayer three is simply a bad look. Um, I understand where Josh is coming from with this. I I, I can see it both ways, Gary. Uh, I, I mean, I really can. I don't I, I don't know that Fran's – I didn't see it, I guess. I didn't know that Fran screamed at Lakita. He was not happy with the, the final play, but Luke was smiling in the, the handshake line. So I, I, I can see it both ways, but – I think if you want to look at it from a positive standpoint, Fran is a man of high character. Whether you say he maybe gets after his guys too much, he, he's a guy of high character and he cares. Like you said, you're up by 40, and yet he's still concerned with, with Northwestern and Chris Collins. I mean, I think he has the respect of a lot of these head coaches in this conference. Yeah, and I think he's coaching the you know he's coaching guys all the way to the, to the last guy that plays, just like he would if he were the first guy playing and he didn't like it. Uh, it, it's too bad it got caught on camera, but, um, you know, it's uh, like I said before, I, I, I kind of like to see the possession just played out. I don't think one more makes a whole lot of difference because those guys don't get a chance to play a lot, but you know, he made the decision to hold it out. And I think it was because they were, they'd embarrassed him so bad. Uh, it could cost him his job. I mean, that, that, that was such a bad performance that it makes you worry for the guy. And I think Fran probably felt that way. Yeah, that's a, it's a good point, and it's brought up by uh, by Doug here. He says, let me bring up the question for you. I think it was from Doug. Let me, yeah, here it is. Chris Collins on the hot seat. Is he on the hot seat right now, Gary? You know, I have no idea. Um, but I know losses like that do not help. Um, it just it didn't look good. Uh, I hope not, because I, I, I think he's a, he's a good coach for that. That's a tough program. I think he's a, he's a good fit there, but. Um, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be surprised, but I, I wouldn't be shocked. And that really would be too bad. I, I think he, that's a hard job to win at. And that's what, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald, what he's done at Northwestern football over the years is so impressive. And that's why the bears wanted to hire him. And I, frankly, I'm, I'm not a huge Pat Fitzgerald fan, but you got to respect the heck out of what he's done. And Chris Collins, like I, I'm thinking back, was it a year ago? Was it last year that Northwestern was actually in the top 25 briefly? And they were, it felt like they were close this year for a time, Gary. They were playing everybody close and they just can't get almost like Indiana in a way. They just can't get over the hump. Yeah. It's hard in this league. It's, it's, and then those, those losses pile up and it just gets harder and harder and more and more frustrating. And, and, uh, it's, it's a tough deal. Um, we had that great run that got him into the tournament, you know, several years ago. And, and, uh, you thought maybe it had turned a corner, but, this league's a bear. You know, you're you can have a good team and be way down in the standings and getting some losses just because the competition is so tough. All right, I'm going to go ahead and do what everybody likes to do on the show, Gary, and that's pit you, Wisconsin versus Iowa. I'm going oh, to pick you spot here again. <laughs> Kelly says uh, Keegan showed everyone why he should have won player of the year. Now, Johnny Davis wins it. Here's what's weird about the – I don't know if you, you looked into it deep enough, Gary, but Johnny Davis wins uh, Big Ten Player of the Year. Both, co you know, I, I mean, obviously I think it's uh, both coaches and and um, the media voted him uh, Big Ten uh, co uh, Player of the Year. Excuse me. 
Um, what's weird, though, is he was not a unanimous first team selection. Explain that to me. How, how could and it was the, the media? I mean, how can you possibly uh, and I'm talking about the media, not the coaches. He was unanimous, I believe, with coaches. How, how can you possibly not be unanimous? Johnny Davis as a first team. Everybody probably doesn't like Wisconsin. I don't know. Uh, that that that'd be the That's only. That's why thing. It, it shouldn't be the media. Yeah. The media should not be voting on these things. It was yeah. No, I that I, I don't know how it could either. There were there was there were you know you look at the second the big the Big Ten second team and it's it's loaded. Um, it, you know it's you know it was you know you you could have made a strong case for Keegan. You could have made a strong case from the kid from Purdue. You could have made a strong case for a. a even several others, um, Coburn. Um, usually, what happens is the the guy that the guy that plays on the team that won the league is going to get a little bit of an edge, and I think that's the reason why he got it. In addition to playing really well against um, you know games they had to have, he played unbelievably against Purdue. He played unbelievably against Indiana when they were going to lose, and uh, those games, if they did, they wouldn't have won the championship. So. I said a little while ago, he, Keegan could not win the Big Ten player and win the national player. It wouldn't surprise me because that's more of a national deal. And I don't think winning the league as a national player of the year is as important as it is within the league. So um, I think he's got a shot. I think he's got as good a shot as anybody. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. So who who would have been your – I'm going to put you on the spot again. Who would have been your your Big Ten player of the year? Um, I, I, that, that is a really tough call. Um, you know, I'm a little more partial key and just, I've gotten to know him a little bit and I've watched him a lot this year, whereas I have not watched Johnny Davis nearly as much, but, um, I think if it was really tight, I think I, I'd probably do the same thing, give the edge to the guy that won the league. Uh, but boy, it's not much. I think, um, I think both players were very, very valuable to their teams. And if they didn't have them, they would have had rough years. And, um, so really, I don't know if there was ever a race that was as close as this in a long time and it had as much depth for player of the year as it did this year. And well, and it shows up on some of the All-American teams that have come out where there's been a lot of Big Ten players. Um, it's really been as good a year in a long time for really high quality players in the league. And so it, it makes that it makes that choice decision really difficult. I want to throw up a, a comment here that we just received to the text line. And yes, you can text the studio line if you want to. Prefer you send in the chat here, but you're welcome to do that from one of our listeners. He says, I really like the group of Big Ten men's basketball coaches right now. That, that's a good question for you, Gary. How how quality, or I should, that's not even really a good way to ask the question, but how high of a quality is is the group of Big Ten coaches that we have right now? It seems like there's just a lot of, and there's some young guys with Micah Shrewsbury and Ben Johnson, but can you speak on the group that we have? Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. They, you know, they both had their moments, uh, had some good wins, and and uh, you know entered a tough situation in, in, in both cases of those programs with with them being relatively down and in, in, in a tough league. Yeah, I, I think the coaching is really good. Um, it's uh, you know they have they've done well. They did well in the ACC tournament. I think the big thing will be how well we do in the in the. Uh, you're always evaluated on how well you do in the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's not fair. But that's the deal. Uh, you've got we got to get some teams to get to the second weekend. We got to get some teams to the final four. The Big Ten hasn't won a national championship in a long time. I think since 2000 when Michigan State won it. That's a long time. So we, the Big Ten needs to do some damage 
uh, in the tournament to get uh, get as much recognition as it deserves. And I did have, we did have somebody try to call us during our last call. So uh, if you want to give us a call back, uh, 515-635-1601, 515-635-1601. And a comment from Ben. He says, coming from a Chicago guy, Collins is loved by the administration and boosters cannot see him getting fired. I hope that's the case. I think he's a good coach. Me too. I think he's a good coach. And he obviously seems And they like probably him. realize it's, you know, the battle he's going through. Um, it just didn't look very good today. I, I just, it got me a little nervous because I care for the kid. I think he's a terrific guy and a good coach. And so I, I hope he's, I hope he's, I hope he's right on that. And Lomansky brings up a good point. Tim Miles getting fired at Nebraska. I thought Tim Miles did decent, but it's a tough league to win in, Gary. And I think Fran a bit underappreciated. And I like the fact, I don't know if you heard this, but but you heard Keegan Murray after the game talking to the Big Ten Network, verbally bringing up Iowa's struggles as a program in the Big Ten tournament. They're not shying away from that. And, I, and I'm fine with that, Gary. If you're a coach... If you're Fran specifically, maybe Fran's not bringing that up privately with the kids. But to me, um, that's a sign of humility from Fran's standpoint because this is his program, and they have struggled in the Big Ten tournament. But if he's willing to use that to give his guys motivation, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. I, I doubt it came up, um, but it could have. I mean, you just you just never know. I think yeah, the, the tournament's hard to win. It's hard to advance. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a battle. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I can understand that, uh, definitely. And, and, uh, you know, social media, they, they all know, they, they, they know the records and they see all that kind of stuff and Hey, if it motivates them, terrific. Um, hopefully after this weekend's over, that discussion will, will be a mute point. Boy, wouldn't that be great? Let's take our next call here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the storm. Who's on the line. This is Pat from Minnesota. Hey, Pat. Hi, Pat. Uh, I just wanted to ask. Yeah, I wanted to ask uh, uh, Coach Close uh, if what t- today it reminded me of watching a, a Dr. Tom and, and Gary Close team. I mean, the, the offensive splurge there. And I just wanted to know which Iowa team maybe would come the closest that Gary was involved with at Iowa. Well, that's a real good question. Um, the first few, the first few years, we had some we had some real firepower. We scored we had some games where we put up uh, some serious points, and it was a really good pressure defensive team. And that's what I'm um, thinking. Maybe '85 was that, or '86? Yeah, yeah, '86, '87. So we we um, you know we caught, we we developed caught, got a lot of offense out of our defense with turnovers, and we got the pace up pretty high. And yeah, I'd say any one of those those three teams, we had BJ Roy and Eddie for their final three years. And we added some good players to the mix and Ray Thompson and uh, some others that, uh, that helped us along. So there was, it was a nice little run, Matt Bullard. And, and uh, uh, so I'd probably say one of those teams, maybe the 86, 87 team, which was really talented, Kevin Gamble probably would, would be on par, but I, I uh, I give Fran a lot of credit. That is really a fun offensive team to watch. They they get the ball down the court with great speed and precision. They don't turn it over. Uh, they're very unselfish. They they got a pretty good idea of what good shots are. They very rarely take bad shots. That happens every once in a while, but not a lot. And um, even today, when they miss shots, they just went and got the ball and put it back in, um, pounded them on a the glass. So um, it's a fun team to watch. That's why I. Uh, I give him a chance to be dangerous in both these tournaments. 
Well, even Sanford's been, I, I've always liked his jump shot and, and the way he, he's really come on lately has been fabulous too the last, last few games. But yeah, he, he, I, Milo, I, his, uh, he just, um, he's got no fear. Uh, he's got a lot of confidence and you get on a stage like that, sometimes you might get a little hesitant and boy, he's, he's not. I think he's got a chance to be really good. And, and Tony is coming on. I mean, Tony is looking a lot, much more confident. And that'll bode well for the future as, you know, as Bohannon leaves and they're going to need some, they're going to need some points at that, at that position. And those two guys are, are showing promise. One last thing I wanted to comment on is I've been impressed with Connor McCaffrey when he's in a press conference. And, and um, so anyway, I watched his teed up with Connor and Patrick on YouTube and it's fabulous because it, it really brings out what the, what's going on behind the scenes and you get to know the other players, uh, what they do in their off time, and how, they, how what they do in practice, and and it's yeah. fabulous. And it kind of brings back memories. I have only coached junior high, but kind of brings back memories of how you get to know the kids. And of course, Gary, you can really relate to that, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I'm just recommending that to everybody. And then the last show I watched, they had uh, their mother on, Margaret, and their sister on, and I thought, what an impressive family watching that you know the relationships they have but i just wanted to throw that out to the listeners yeah that's that's good that's a really good point he um he gets it connor gets it i mean he, he's been down the pike a few times and uh very smart tough player and and now he's now he's playing the best he's played all year offensively and this is really a special time here even for families i know when we when we um or in the when the, in the both the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament, uh, families got to go along. And during the year, they don't. Uh, but you know, usually most schools, I'm, I'm guessing, it's certainly Iowa, Wisconsin did it. The whole crew goes, so your whole family's there. And obviously, if you win, you get to stay. If you lose, you go home. So when you win, it's it's pretty neat. And so it's a it's a whole family thing. And you, you got to enjoy it because it doesn't last forever. Uh, you know, it's. And we talked about that earlier. You got to enjoy the moment because uh, you know it could end tomorrow or. And in a couple of years, whatever it is, it doesn't, it's not ever ending. So it's nice to be able to see them enjoy that. Cause it's, uh, I know, you know, taking my family to the NCAA tournament, uh, that we got some memories. We'll never forget pictures. And it's just, it's a really cool time. Now I'll just say this, Pat, to add to uh, the comment about the teed up podcast with Gary and, or with uh, Connor and uh, Patrick, uh, I haven't been able to watch every episode, but what I like about that whole setup is, uh, you know, they're making the Americans some money. I don't know how much money they're making, but that's the, I think my opinion, that's the good thing about NIL. I don't like NIL being used to, and it's being used by, you know, the, the big donors and people who are actually basically recruiting players with NIL money. I don't believe that's not the purpose of NIL. It shouldn't have ever been the purpose of NIL. What What's great about it is Connor and Patrick being able to make some dollars doing that. So I agree. Anybody who's interested in a good show, absolutely listen to uh, teed up on, I think it's good. Check it, out. it sponsors that, uh, Pat. It's Hames. I think it's Hames Homes. Oh, okay. They're sponsor. I got you. Yeah, I think I think yeah. the Gazette is. I think the Gazette is the newspaper that. Uh, and they do that after every game. No, I think it's maybe not, a week. I don't think it's necessary. Maybe you know about that, Corey. I've only seen them at the last four or five, but because uh, I wasn't aware of it. But um, so I don't. I don't think it's game related. I think it's just kind of. When you know, they started this months ago, I guess. Yeah, um, very nice. But they've had Luca on with his girlfriend. They've had uh, Arthur, Ash. That was funny. Luca was funny. Uh, you just get to know the personalities. And I felt like I've even I've learned some more basketball too. Just listening to them talk about. So 
some of the things that go on the court, you know, and all the practices, they, how hard the practices are and stuff. And so mm-hmm. you just you learn a lot and you just get to really know the players well and appreciate them more. Absolutely. Well, you can even in watching that in, in comedy, you can even watch on the bench. You know, it's, you, you watch the reaction to the bench when good plays are made and they're all into it. Um, you know, my son's a part of the program and he, he thinks the world, the guys that are in it, they're fun to be around. And and uh, that's you know, that's not a guarantee. And that doesn't happen all the time. So when you have it, you better enjoy it because it's and it, it helps. There's no question it, it makes you want to root for him even harder. And and. Uh, Hopefully this will uh, continue because this is a, this is the time when you want to get hot. That's all I've got. I just wanted to put out those two things and then uh, thank you guys for uh, doing this throughout the year. It's been fantastic. Appreciate you calling, Pat. Thank, thank you. you. And, uh, yeah, no, all good points. And um, I see this comment from Steve. He says, rooting for you guys because you gave us loot. Iowa versus Arizona in the national championship. How's that for a national championship, Gary? Oh, that would be unbelievable, wouldn't it? Yeah, Arizona's good. I've I've only seen them a couple times, but man, they're they they they're impressive. But uh, the good news is, I think with this win, there it's safe to say Iowa will not be playing Arizona in the second round. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think so. No, because Arizona's, so. I don't think they're. I even if they're a two, I don't think Iowa's. A, I think Iowa with this win, and again, I'm basing some of this on. I'm not quoting Tim. Tim Kruger of Stadium never said this, but we did a show with Tim Kruger, as a bracketologist for Stadium, Gary. And he, just from his insight, I had a, I have a feeling that this win for Iowa ensures, especially the dominance that they displayed in this game, even if they were to lose to Rutgers, I don't think they're a seven. I think they're safely a six, which in in my opinion is a big thing to avoid playing a one or a two in that mm-hmm. second round. Yeah, yeah. Iowa fans may not know that Lute Olson had a, had, a pl- uh, had a role in getting Tom Davis to Iowa. Um, and uh, pretty much a pretty significant role. And... Uh, and then we we had some battles when he was at Arizona. We were at Stanford, and and um, when the job opened up, he he helped. And it, uh, as they say, the rest is history. Can you explain what the the role was more more specifically? Or well, I think um, uh, that um, Luke got a hold of Tom. Uh, and I, I'm not so sure that Bump maybe didn't get a hold of Luke because I think Bump had Elliot had some interest in, in Tom. And Lute uh, thought it would be a great fit, that Tom would really fit in well having coached there. Um, and uh, Tom was close to taking another job. Uh, and then Iowa made a push, and and uh, that's where he ended up. And I, I think I think Lute, had, I think Lute uh, sold Iowa to Tom, and I think that helped, along with Bump Elliott. I think he really, really felt comfortable with Bump Elliott, who was a phenomenal AD, and and as a head coach, you you know you want to you want an AD in your in your corner. And there was no better one than Bump. I always get this record wrong. Thank you for clarifying this, Doug. Fran was five and ten before coming into the Big Ten tournament this year. So you win four straight. That record goes to nine and ten. Not so not so shabby. Um, but again, Iowa has an opportunity just with a win tomorrow to win two games in the Big Ten tournament for the first time since 06. And you know, they want to win this thing. I get it. But but certainly one game at a time and they have an opportunity to uh, to do that tomorrow. Um, All Thumbs says that uh, Iowa drops nine threes tomorrow in a 77-65 <laughs> victory. Rutgers had it. Let's remember that game, Gary. And I, I can pull up the, the box score. But if I recall, Iowa really struggled from three in that game. Now it would make sense because they scored 46. But um, 
three-point defense obviously is something that North. <laughs> I think it's safe to say Northwestern struggles with. But at the same time, Keegan is. I believe he's seven of seven over these last two games, Gary, because he was, I think he was four of four the other night. He's three of three today. Um, how well? I mean, this shooting display that they're carrying right now, assuming it can continue, how far can this level of shooting take them in the tournament? Well, you know, it's not that I got to shoot like that. I mean, that that was just phenomenal. Hopefully, they can get close to that. Um, although, who knows? You know, they're they're. Crazier things have happened, but I think as long as they're, you know, shooting a solid percentage, that's going to help because it's just going to open everything up around them. They're they're offensively they are playing at a really high level right now, and they can score in a lot of different ways. It's not just the three. Um, and I think one of the reasons they're getting as good a looks they're getting is because they they've got to be covered from the rim all the way out to the three point line, and so it makes makes them a tough guard. And when you see Tony Perkins and Connor McCaffrey launching it without hesitation and it's going in, boy, that's a that's just a bonus when you have, you know, again, Bohannon and, and Chris and all those guys. Let's take our next yeah. call. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's in the line? Lomansky, Corey. Howdy, Lomansky. How are you? Good. This is for you both, and I'm going to dive into what Gary mentioned about, you know, the Big Ten historical record in the NCAA tourney in the recent years. And just for me looking at it, I would think any team, including Iowa, doesn't beat themselves. I'm talking assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, they, they seem to beat every team in the turnover battle. And then I'm going to dive into style for you both. Uh, the Big Ten's kind of noted for the, the – big guys and uh, tough conference and maybe get hurts with the whistle in NCAA. But I would think that Fran's style is pretty modern. And I remember Frank Garza on a, on a podcast talking about Luca when he was younger, trying to groom him. And he, and of course, Frank Garza played uh, high end basketball in his day. And Frank said that the NBA has kind of gone away from the center position, away from Chamberlain, Elijah Wan, and college is kind of doing the same thing. So he tried to teach Luca, you know, the uh, importance of shooting from the three, worked on his footwork, and admitted that Luca had some some deficiencies. In fact, he uh, <laughs> he related it to his own genetics. But he said uh, uh, he had to he had to get Luca to learn how to be for the long term how to be a more modern person related to what basketball has evolved to. Both of you can expound on that. I'd be interested in what you both think. Yeah, I don't think there's any there's any doubt that it's that it's changing. And it was interesting when you mentioned that I watched the game the other day. I just saw it on my TV. It was a uh, 76ers Celtic game back in the Easter Conference Finals, like in the early 80s when Dr. J was playing, and I was a big fan of his. And they beat the Celtics in a game seven game in Boston. And there were no three point shots taken until the last couple of minutes when Boston was down big and they started burying a bunch and got back in the game. I mean, you go back and look at some of those games, and literally nobody, there's a three point line, but nobody shoots them. And the same thing was the case in college. It just, now it's it's all about three point shooting and from the first one position all the way to the five, 
And uh, no, I agree. It's um, it, it's it's here and probably here to stay. And uh, I think Lu uh, Luca's dad was, was was spot on in terms of, hey, if you're going to try to play at the next level, you here are some of the things you got to develop because that's the way the game's going at at at, at all levels. I mean, in college they don't shoot it like they do in the in the NBA, but um, there's still a lot of three sh shot in both by all positions, and so. Um, yeah, it's it's the sign of the times, no doubt. Gary, does that does that philosophy of not beating yourself is that is that right up the alley of Bo Ryan and your philosophy at Stanford yourself? Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. Um, especially when you don't have as much talent as the other team, you just can't give them extra possessions. You can't foul them um, because you're you know every possession is important. Shot selection is big. And so what you want to do is try to keep give yourself a chance so that with three minutes to go, you're in the game. And now it's a three point, you know, now it's a three minute game and it's a you know six, eight possession game. You got a chance. Uh, whereas, you know, in a lot of cases, especially when teams have got different uh, levels of talent, the game is over by then. And there's there's no chance. You know, today was obviously a big example, but um and so to do that, how do you do that? How do you how do you give your give your team a chance against a team that's got more talent than you? Um, well, one one of the ways is is to take care of the ball and um, get possessions, because we would always say a lot of times. And you watch it when you watch games now. You watch a team turn a ball over. It happened today. You watch a team turn over. Inevitably, what happens is the other team scores at the other end, uh, a two or three. So it's literally anywhere from a four to a six-point swing, the two or three that you don't get offensively and the two or three they get uh, on you defensively. And if you have three or four of those in a game, you know, your chances of winning are not are not going to be very good. And uh, so, you know, it, it's got to do with that. It's got to do with fouling. You know, you, if you make bad fouls, then the team gets in the penalty sooner. Now when you have a legit foul, um, they're shooting rather than taking the ball out. And uh, they get the penalty sooner, and and you're fouling, you know, you're fouling teams in the act of shooting, and so all those things add up um, to where it could be a three or four point game. Instead, with turnovers and bad fouls and things like that, it's a twelve or fourteen point game. You have no chance. So um, uh, it's 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 the way you gotta. It's one way to try to keep keep your team competitive when. Uh, personnel-wise, you, you don't match up. How close which, are, which in the case at Stanford and even at Wisconsin was most of the time. We just did not have as much talent as Arizona or UCLA uh, in, in that league. We didn't have as much talent uh, in the Big Ten. We just, you know, later we did, but for most of the – not that we still couldn't win, um, and we got the most out of our talent, but, um, you know, it just – that's just the way it is. I'll close with the following and, and let you get out the program. Uh, I got to make a comment about it seems like uh, the Iowa fan base is, in my opinion, way overly concerned with Fran's personality on the sidelines. If you, if you really dive into some of these podcasts and in his history, you know, he may look that way on the sidelines. He's definitely not that way off the court. And Shusevsky was in the was at West Point in the military, and it's kind of about discipline. And I think I think the Iowa fan, fan base at times 
if you don't think Lute Olson was a disciplinarian, he had some moments at Iowa that were pretty fiery, and we kind of forget about that. But I, I'm not, I don't, I don't have any problem with Fran's demeanor on the sidelines, and I think now we have him, you know, communicating with the player after we went through this Michigan thing with their head coach that I just can't stand with Howard. And I think that was a pretty good signal to his team how to how to think of the team first, maybe maybe about individual. Might have just been a a miscommunication from what I heard on the from Dolphin was there was a pass to Lakeda and the instructions were yelled out in the court, maybe just innocent miss by a player, but uh I don't have any player with any any problem with Fran's demeanor on the sidelines and I don't you think, Gary, that that Lakeda is used to, he's a division one player. He's used to, it's not a democracy. And I think sometimes we think we've got our kid out there in eighth grade sitting in the stands and I'll close with that and let you both comment. Thanks. So much. Yeah. I appreciate the call. Yeah. yeah. I think you gotta, you gotta coach to your personality. You can't, you, you just can't be fake. Uh, everybody's a little bit different and handles things in different ways and the, the players will read it. I mean, they, Players want you to be honest and straightforward, and when you're BSing them, uh, whether it's you know whether it's in a soft voice or a loud voice, they'll they'll know it, and um, they just want the straight scoop and an honest you know an honest answer, and and uh, and I think Fran does that in 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 100 fashion. I've never heard a former player of his say anything bad about him ever. So yeah. I mean. Well, that's, you know, that's something in itself. And I think I will say this. I think Fran has dealt with ang- with temper problems. You know, he's had a problem at times reeling in the temper. And I mean, we all have had that problem at some point in our lives. And I think he's done a lot better in recent time. He's taken accountability. And, and I mean, I, I again, as far as it relates to the players, I think the players love him. And uh, I'm a defender of Fran McCaffrey. There's no question. Yeah. Um, He's perfect. You know, you're going to make mistakes. You just, you know, you, you uh, admit it, uh, apologize for it and move on. We're all, you know, we're all fallible. So, um, no, I agree totally. Ben says, Kent McCausland versus J-Bo. Who you got? <laughs> They're very similar. Um, uh, Kent was a terrific shooter. Kent didn't didn't shoot as many as Jabo. He wasn't, he didn't need to, he had, you know, he had, he had some other players around. I think, you know, in terms of how long Jabo's, how long his career has lasted and the numbers he's put up, there's, there's probably edge. But in terms of pure shooting, Ken McCall's going to shoot with anybody. He could really, he could really shoot the ball. He just didn't put up the numbers that Jabo has because he's, you know, he hasn't had the opportunity, but in terms of pure shooting, he could really, he could really knock it down. All thumbs. What are the chances Keegan stays another year to play with his brother? I think Hayden Fry said it. Uh, slim and none, and Slim just left. <laughs> slim left town. You know who says slim that? Left town. Yeah, okay. I get that. Don Patterson says that all the time. I didn't yeah, realize. I think you got that from Hayden. <laughs> okay. Yep. I I agree. I, I think uh, I, I think Slim and none. I may not say Slim left town, but boy, um, he's heading that direction because I I, I just. Right now, Keegan hasn't slowed down. I mean, he doesn't slow down against really anybody. I mean, he has an off game here or there, but an off game for Keegan, <laughs> you know, is 19 and 8. I mean, that's an off game. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Um, and he didn't play the majority of that second half, Gary. And I mean, look at his look at his st- uh, line here. He ended up with 26 points on 11 of 16 shooting. Again, he's seven of seven from three over these past two games and eight rebounds. He had had 30, 30, maybe 35 and 15 if he stayed in there or better. Maybe more. Yeah. No, he was he was terrific. That's okay. Well, we're going to save some of those points and rebounds for tomorrow down the road. Let's, let's hope so. Uh, Rose says, and she's right. This is, this is, I think this is, she's onto something here. She said, I don't really think these tournaments do much for seeding. It's all about the money and for teams that need to get in the big dance. I, I, I'd say in the middle of that, Rose, I, I understand where you're coming from. I asked Tim Kruger that specific question. Do we read too much into conference tournaments as it relates to seeding in the NCAAs? And he said, absolutely, we do. But they are part of the schedule, Gary. And tomorrow would be a quality win. It's not a quad one win. Today was not a quad one win. But I have to think that winning against any Big Ten team on a neutral court by 35 or whatever it was, it does help you. And like I said, I think they're safely at a six right now. Um, but again, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Lucas here commenting, he says, almost had more offensive rebounds than Northwestern had total rebounds. Let me throw up that stat here, Gary, because I, I didn't even notice this until, until we started talking about the rebounding battle. This is insane. I, I know Northwestern struggled on the glass, but 45 to 18 for well, an Iowa team, it struggled yeah, here on the glass. Yeah, but Iowa didn't miss any shots. I mean, they, they had very chance <laughs> to get any defensive rebounds. That's the ball true. was going through the bat. You don't get a rebound when you take it out of the basket and inbound it. That's not a rebound. Right. It's got to be a miss. Uh, so that that put a big damper. And then Iowa did a good job on the defensive glass. Um, you know, didn't give up many offensive rebounds. And that's how you – see, that's a pure reflection. That's how rebounding is reflected by your defense. If you don't stop anybody, it's hard to get rebounds, and you're going to get crushed on the glass. Absolutely. And a um, couple other comments before we finish up here. Uh, one being, let me find it here, get behind in the chat, and then I have a problem catching up. Um, well, we will come back. Actually, here it is. Steve says, uh, no disrespect to you, Coach Close, but it's just oh. that Arizona was a nobody until loot. But he says, question exactly how important is point guard play in the tournament? It seems like whoever has the best point guards win. And that that is true. That narrative is, is around. Um, and no, also I'll, I'll preface what I'm about to say, Gary, by saying no offense to you, but I don't look at Wisconsin as having had tremendous, you mentioned Jim Jackson's son. He's a pretty darn good point guard, but I mean, I, I, I think, uh, it's safe to say he was, he was a good big 10 point guard. He, he didn't play in the NBA. I don't believe. So how important, I mean, you guys obviously had success in the, in the postseason. How important is point point guard play? Well, I think guard play in general. It is important because right? they're the ones that are handling the ball the most, uh, making the decision with the ball, um, their ability to knock down outside shots. I, I, th- I think one of the reasons Rutgers has is, is, is improved as years go on is their guard play has just gone through the roof. I mean, those three guards are good. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, so I think guard play is important. Um, I think Iowa's guards are, are have played well. These last couple of weeks, hopefully that'll continue. But they got a challenge with with Rutgers. Those guards may be as good a collection of guards as there is in the league. And uh, the one guard got Defensive Player of the Year, and uh, the other guard uh, seems like he's been there almost as long as Jabo. Um, and uh, so uh, that's probably their strength is their their guard core and Harper. And so. Uh, that'll be an interesting matchup. And I was in Arizona 
when Luke came to Arizona from Iowa and the, the commenters said, right, Arizona was horrendous. And uh, it was a complete turnaround to where uh, he dominated the pack and, and, and won an NCAA tournament. He did a phenomenal job at, at Arizona um, and uh, deserves a lot of credit for it. Um, ben says, Coach Close, how good was Sam? Is it Oki? Is that how you pronounce his last mm-hmm. name? As Iowa beat UConn and ultimately make it to the Final Four, Sam Oki doesn't get hurt in 98-99. And yes, I'm sorry, Iowa fans, I'm asking how to pronounce the last name because I was like three years old at the time. <laughs> Go ahead, Gary. Well, that was an interesting case. You know, we recruited Sam really hard out of high school, and he um, ended up going to Wisconsin and uh, ended up leaving and came came to Iowa for his last year um, and um, struggled. Uh, it was it was a hard transition. In fact, to make a long story short, he had to sit out. He transferred at the semester break. So he had to sit out, and he was going to sit out the entire year. And then uh, our at the beginning of the year, that final year, our contract was – we knew we were not coming back. Uh, it wasn't going to be renewed. And Sam said, well, I'm not going to play for my third coach in three years. I'm taking, I'm taking off. I'm going to play the final semester. He only played a semester um, for the Hawkeyes. So, you know, you, you played the whole fall semester without him. Now you're going to play with him. Hard to get him, you know, in with everybody else and get the chemistry and the whole thing. And it was a struggle. Uh, but then he started to play really well. Um, and then he gets hurt right before – the NCAA tournament, um, whether it would have been enough to beat UConn. I don't know. That, that was a UConn team that went on to win the national championship. We, we gave, you know, we, we talked about it in a previous cast. We, we gave him a hell of a game, almost beat him. Uh, maybe Sam would have made the difference, but he was a really talented player that uh, it's too bad. He didn't get a full year at Iowa. Um, Cause he was one of the better, he was a big 10 freshman of the year and very talented and, um, with them, who knows? It certainly would have given us a better chance. Um, uh, he was he was a really good player. Now I'm going to have to my project tonight, Gary, is to look up fine film of Sam Oki. So I appreciate that. Fred says, uh, I can't remember, was Jordan starting at point guard the last time we played Rutgers? The answer to that question is no. That was prior to the change. So perhaps a difference there, a factor, and there certainly Michael, maybe some changes there with Garden at the uh, – excuse me, Bohannon at the point. Let's take our next call. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? <laughs> coach Williams from Battle Creek, and I believe this is uh, Kenyon Murray's high school coach. Oh, Mary, right? oh, coach. Is he there? Oh, that's too bad. Hold on, hold on, Coach. Hold on, Coach. I don't think he can... Can you hear? Can you hear him, Gary? Try I can. Can you hear me, Gary? Oh yeah, I can hear you now. Speak up, buddy. Okay. Can you can you hear me? There you go. How's it going? There you go. Okay, but yeah, I saw you at. Uh, I had a player playing Ohio State, Trey McDonald, and you oh, guys yeah. put it on uh, put it on them their senior night by about thirty, and you <laughs> the final four and in the finals. And uh, I hollered your name when you went in. You looked at me, and then you were kind of confused. I don't know if you actually knew who it was when you came back out of the locker room, but you looked at me again. I think you, you kind of yeah. looked like, okay, that's, I, I know who that guy. I know. Yeah. But yeah, I just, yeah. Want, I just wanted to say uh, what a great time to be a Hawkeye again, Gary. Uh, 
no I went through those those runs when obviously Ken Kenyon Montero were out there, and yeah, and when uh, the passing of Chris and I was at both of those games at State when you came back, and obviously the game against the Final Four. Just what what great games and great atmosphere, and to be able to do it again, man, I tell you, it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying the run and miss the game today. I plan on driving down tonight oh, and uh, being, being down there for the weekend. What are you up to now? I retired, been about been retired about six years, still running a youth program in the summer that I've run almost 40 years now. So I'm doing that and uh, just enjoying retirement, enjoying my grandkids. And the moment we're playing ball, football, won won a national championship at Ferris State University Division II this year. And I got one graduating from high school playing for Kalamazoo Central. So just enjoying the kids and enjoying the the Hawkeyes, enjoying following the kids. I've been down to Purdue and Ohio State. I was at Champaign on Sunday. I thought nice. that shot was going down. I tell you, I had lined right on it. Looked great. <laughs> had a great release. That's all you. That's all you can ask at the end of the game. You know, Gary exactly. had that opportunity, yeah. and I told Kenyon I was sitting right next to him. I said uh, they were missing those free throws. I said, man, hey, the opportunity is going to be there. Someone's going yeah. to hit a, a game oh, yeah. when we get out of here. And I thought it, I thought it was going to come to fruition, but that's the game, as you know, Gary. Uh, but you know, to get that shot up and have that opportunity. To uh, silence all those folks down there in Champaign uh, oh, yeah. didn't happen, but the opportunity was there. Well, let me say this, Greg, um, and I'm not. And I'm, this is right from the heart. Kenyon Murray was one of the most fundamentally sound, hardworking, uh, without question, the best defensive high school player I've ever coached. Most of the time, you get high school players; they don't even know how to spell defense much less play it. And uh, I mean, when, when you got a program at a Greg's program, you, you knew you got somebody that's fundamentally sound. So I'll work hard. Uh, Appreciates playing defense as well as he does offense and, and just a quality kid. And uh, I mean, it's just, that's the way he was. Uh, He was, and that's why he played from the very beginning. Uh, so, well, you know, Iowa was the right place for him because, as you know, we we pressed uh, after maids. Yep, yep. Uh, and and after and and after misses. I mean, we went into yep. our, basically our diamond. We even tried course. that after watching your teams course. play in high school. We said, "Hey, that's 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 something that we have not tried before." And we actually did uh, right. when we got Kenyon. We tried to do it after after misses on miss free throws, and we did do that for a while. And and right. we got right. that right from the high school. I can remember one summer. I think you were there, you know, at camp, you used to have the after camp, I'd go up and give Michael Walker and my son Dorian pizzas. And then I'd come back in, you guys were in front, you had your little concession in the back with the juice yeah. and things. So I slipped in the back, all the coaches were there. Coach Davis caught me coming in. He says, uh, hey, Greg, we were just talking about the press. And I know you guys run your 75Z press. Hey, why don't you come up? And I told him I, back then, this was before I understand uh, all the technology. So I said, Coach, no, you're fine. I said, anybody who's interested in it, uh, uh, they can give me their address and stuff, and I'll, I'll send it to them. I got 17 requests. Is that right? And I sent them. I, I mailed 17 copies out to everybody. And hey, through the years, I've ran into guys who've actually said it worked. But like you're getting back to Kenyon, uh, uh, Chuck Chuck had some great players. We had some great players at Battle Creek. It went on to real great things, different yeah. universities, and had great careers. But with Kenyon, Chuck always said he was the best because academically, I mean, uh, basketball-wise, obviously character-wise. I mean, Kenyon was just just a, a, a great kid. And obviously, he was uh, Mr. Basketball, McDonald's All-American. You know, he, he did all those things and obviously went to Iowa. Well, yeah. he had a teammate, Dave, David Hart, that played for us also who went to Michigan yeah. State. Yeah. 
Yep. And uh, Judd, Judd came in to sign him, you know. So Judd, Judd tells Chuck, hello, Chuck. Hello, Fred. He gets <laughs> me and says, uh, hey, Greg, I want to thank you for everything you did to get Ken into Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's typical Judd. And then yeah. and then Michigan basically dubbed me, the University of Michigan dubbed me the uh, the Iowa guy, the Iowa coach. But uh-huh. I had players play at both those institutions also. So you, yeah. you know how it goes. You win some, you get you lose some. Yeah, you just always get... loved Iowa. And yeah. uh, it's amazing. Because uh, I think I told I talked once before on the program that uh, the thing about Kenyon, I think you asked the question here about, or you asked the question about uh, who's better. Well, they grew. Kenyon started about seventh or eighth grade, and he just picked up everything so naturally. Mm-hmm. Well, those boys grew up in the household, and so what you're seeing in, in Chris and Keegan is no surprise to me because Kenyon, even when they were coming up, he'd come back to Battle Creek with them. He said, "Coach, they're so much further ahead." than I was yeah. at this point because again, they grew up in a household right. where Kenny was coaching Indian Hills. And, uh, I can remember those collars when I was taking uh, players out to Indian Hills, uh, who were getting recruited and Kenny was recruiting. And yep. uh, yep. so they've been around it. They've been around it that long. So uh, I'm not surprised because I'd listen to him. I close my eyes and listen to him in the press conference. I think I'm listening to Kenya. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. 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 Well, it's Absolutely. gotta be fun for you That's after watching Kenya develop and, and to see this, it's almost like watching it all over again. Oh yeah, just like Michelle. I think Jeff Settles was on the show, and he and he said he ran into Michelle, and he said Michelle said mm-hmm. uh, that's how she was doing. She says I'm marinating in joy. So every time <laughs> I talk to Kenyon and Michelle, I say I'm yeah. marinating in joy. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. But it is a great it is a great time to be a hawk, and uh, glad I'm able to do do this a second time. Um, again, it was great the first time. Enjoyed listening to Coach Davis when I was sitting behind the bench. And one of the things he always would say, he would send the player in. You know, we pressed also. And so yeah. I kind of took it when I got back to the high school. I tell somebody to go in for someone. I said, come on, go get him. Keep him fresh. Keep him fresh. <laughs> he, always, he always wanted to make sure you were fresh. And I, I developed a lot of my philosophy when I became a head coach of um, making sure I kept guys fresh and not playing yeah. them and fatiguing them because it's hard to come back once you get fatigued, that you know. So I learned a lot of that from Tom Davis just sitting nice. behind you guys and 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 taking in all those uh, gems of wisdom from you guys. So and Coach, well, it was great seeing you at Ohio State, Gary. I tell you, I that's why I hollered, Coach Closer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Greg. Hopefully, we'll we'll cross paths again soon. I would love to see you, Coach Williams. Can okay, I ask are you are you planning on NCAA tournament or are you going to do any big? Yeah, it kind of depends on where they go. I, I, that is definitely a possibility. Yeah, I'm hoping it's not San Antonio, but if it's. Yeah. Uh, some, somewhere within probably a six-hour radius, I'll yeah, definitely be there. Exactly. I mean, you may see me there. We'll have to. Uh, we'll have to hook up. Sounds good. Sounds good. Exactly. Good talking to you, man. Thanks All for right, joining, Coach. Appreciate it. Okay, go Hawks. Okay, go Hawks. Appreciate it. And, uh, I'm glad we made that connection because I know Coach Williams had called in before and, and hadn't been able to. Uh... So have you? That's have awesome. you? Has he been to? Uh, maybe I missed it. Has he been to Carver this year? I don't know. I don't know if he. It's. I'm not sure he has. I think it's been. I was going to ask him uh, that, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not sure. So, but um, what a good guy. Great guy, and and uh, sounds like he did a lot for for Kenyon, uh, and maybe you know yeah. down the line to, for Keegan and Chris and Ben asks which staff on the Dr. Tom staff was the lead recruiter. Was it you, Gary, for Kenyon? Well, no, actually, you know, it's it was interesting. I saw Kenyon play. I believe it was in San Antonio. Um, and an AU tournament. Um, he was young. He was really young. I, I, I might have been before sophomore year. And um, 
uh, I, when I got back, Rich, Rich Walker was on the staff. Now, Rich was from Michigan, knew all those guys, said, Rich, I got a guy for you. You, you got to get all over this kid. He is the real deal. He's going to be a player. And Rich did a terrific job. We, we got in early. I think it's one of the reasons why we, we got a shot is because we, 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 were, we were in early and, and uh, gave, us, gave us a chance. And then, uh, you know, I think on his visit, he had a good time and, and uh, connected. So because um, a lot of people were surprised we got him out of there um, with Michigan and Michigan State wanting him badly. So um, really neat he called. That was, that was fun. All right, final couple comments and questions here. Circle Herc says, did Iowa have more threes than Northwestern <laughs> rebounds? The answer to that question is yes, I believe, right? Let me look back at the rebounding I total. So. It was, yeah. yeah, 19 threes for Iowa, 18 rebounds for Northwestern. Grant says, I think we need to talk about how important it is for Bohannon to hit that first three. It seems like every time he hits one early, he stays hot and, and does so the rest of the uh, so does the rest of the team. It's interesting, and that's true. Mm-hmm. And Jermaine, thank you for pointing this out. Jermaine went back and watched my predictions for the Big Ten tournament. I am four for four on my predictions. I predicted Indiana, Penn State, uh, Iowa, and uh, whatever the other one that you I missed. You picked Northwestern. I thought you were going for uh, Nebraska. No, you I changed your mind for last minute. Uh, well, Northwestern, North, Nebraska was kind of the hot commodity, and I just felt like uh, Northwestern was going to kind of uh, take take it with a grain of salt and and come to play. I, I also kind of thought more and more about the maybe that didn't shine through today, but that loss in Iowa City, uh, get, it just didn't make sense because that's not how Northwestern, even when Northwestern has lost this year, they're typically competitive. Yeah. And um, I think people were, were dismissing them in that game against Nebraska. And um, I was impressed with the Wildcats yesterday. I said that at the beginning of the show. I was impressed. And uh, I give Iowa credit. They went out and beat Northwestern today. And, and granted, I mean, Northwestern did not play well. You, I don't think you can play well and you lose by 36 points. But Iowa did everything it needed to do and um, just a terrific performance. So, yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Um, if I missed a comment, I apologize. To recap, Iowa's stellar performance, seven, uh, 112 to 76, breaking the Big Ten tournament single-game scoring record. Keegan Murray with 26 points on 11 of 16 shooting. And let me just look real quick here. Kenyon, or man, now I'm saying Kenyon. Uh, Keegan had uh, just played 21 minutes. <laughs> so... That's uh that's pretty darn good efficiency uh for while you're in there. And Patrick, I thought played well coming back from an injury slash illness. It was good to get him out early, give him some extra rest. And of course, um Philip Rabracha, I thought played really well. We had a comment he about did. him that I missed earlier. He did. He he played well. Nine boards. Um, and it's gonna be a challenge if they if they go up against Kofi Coburn again. But man, this guy is underappreciated. He has fought and fought and fought all year, and it's not can't imagine how hard it is as an undersized guy playing out of position to be able to bang with guys like Coburn and Hunter Dickinson. And he's done it this year. And, and he's, I think he's underappreciated Jordan Bohannon with 17 points, five of eight from three Peyton Sanford coming on at the right time with 13, three of five from three. Um, and I didn't get a total for Tony Perkins, uh, six points, six assists, four boards, two of two from three for Tony Perkins. Those are, pretty darn efficient numbers and he's just operating within this within this offense with such a high confidence and i texted yeah. tony's uncle the other day and and you know just said man your your nephew's playing out of his mind and and that's how he responded confidence he, he's just playing with immense confidence right now and um 
Boy, it's almost like that that move that I was critical of at the time, moving Bohan into the point. Oh, you tore it all up. You got it. It's, it, it's almost like a it's almost like a two edged sword in Iowa's favor. It's yeah. helped him with it's helped Jordan. It seemed to have helped Jordan and yeah. it's helped Tony Perkins. So uh, I give Iowa and, and Fran McCaffrey a lot of credit. Rebounding again, one uh, forty five to eighteen. Iowa just dominating in that category and um, nineteen to twenty nine from three breaking. The all-time single game Big Ten Conference record. So, uh, what a performance by Iowa! So that means that Iowa will take on Rutgers tomorrow. Um, we know the storylines: Iowa losing. I don't want to say because of the officials, because they did not play well offensively in that game. I give Rutgers a lot of credit, Gary. Just to kind of compare the stats that I just read off for the game today, when they played Rutgers last time out, Iowa shot twenty-eight percent from the field 22 percent from three um made just six threes on the night got out rebounded 49 to 38 um turned the ball over t- just 10 times actually on the road um but just offensively it was just everything was hard in that game and people were questioning the fran offense and it's boy it's been a 180 cent so everything's kind of come full circle here gary and i i'm with you i kind of feel the same way i felt very confident heading into Iowa's game in Ann Arbor about a week ago because of how they lost at home. I just felt like Iowa, Iowa perceived that loss to be one that got away. And I think they feel the same way about the Rutgers game. And I wouldn't be surprised if they almost feel like it was taken from them. I think they're going to come out tomorrow with a chip on their shoulders and and play well. Now they may not be a high scoring game. I think they're going to win tomorrow, Gary. Me too. Any, any, <laughs> any final <laughs> predictions or thoughts, Gary, on, on, uh, uh ease to the uh, game or I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a really good game. I, I Rutgers has played well. Um I really like their guards. Uh I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh but I I think um I think this is Iowa's year to take this tournament and then the, tomorrow's the next step. All right, and I I'm going to slip in one final question, Steve, and I won't ignore you. What mid-major team do you not want to see in the tournament? I would have said Iona, but they lost. So they're they're not going to did the they, tourney. Did they, they get lost. beat today? They got they got upset in the uh, whatever wow. that is, the MIAC or whatever conference that is. So uh, I would not want to see because I know Mike DeCourcy was predicting an Iowa-Iona first-round matchup. That will not happen now. So is there a mid-major besides maybe Murray State that stands out to you, Gary? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I tell you, team that's played well is Princeton. Uh, now they still got to win their their uh, their tournament, which I think is this weekend. But um, they've got a really veteran team, and and uh, that, yeah, Mitch does uh, does a really good job. Uh, I really haven't seen a whole lot of mid majors. I'll, I'll have to take a look at that and see uh, see who might come out of that. But I have watched them play a little bit because I've gone back to see them a few times and. He's got a team that can really shoot the three, and and um, but they could get knocked out this weekend in their own tournament. Just I'll, like give you a, I'll give you my fate, my my sleeper, and then a real dark horse. Uh, I'd say Chattanooga. Um, and again, I go back to my conversation with Tim Kruger. He was very high on John Chattanooga, and they made a, a buzzer beater, just miraculous thirty footer to beat Furman the other night. <laughs> it was just incredible, and uh, kind of signaling marches here. But uh, Chattanooga is a dangerous team, and then. I'll throw you one Longwood team that Iowa plays played the very first game of the season. They don't, you know, they won their, their conference outright. They won their conference tournament. It's a good team right now. And um, playing good basketball. Now, if, if you're Iowa, 
That would be so weird if they got matched up with. They probably won't because I'm guessing yeah. Long will be a, a 15 or something like that. But uh, I'll say that's my my sleeper. So again, folks, Iowa Rutgers tomorrow, and Gary will be on tomorrow, right? You're you're not going. Are you you're not doing emergency flight out to Indianapolis to go to the game? No, no, it's tempting. I'll tell you that it's tempting, but no, I'll I'll be right here. All right, folks, for Gary Co- for Coach Gary Close, I'm Corey Bratta. We will have this podcast up on our podcast platforms from the Hawkeye of the Storm in a few hours, and we will talk to you tomorrow afternoon.